0: the dugout ceo podcast is on the air i'm phil van horn baseball lifer and fan of the dugout ceo each week casey cavell goes around the horn with baseball superstars hall of fame coaches and business leaders who've used baseball
1: experience to win the game of life now batting casey cavell Out nation, welcome to the Dugout CEO podcast. Super excited to be joined today by Caleb Kimmel. Caleb is the CEO and founder of the World Baseball Academy, a nonprofit organization which uses the platform of baseball to exemplify excellence and leadership beyond the game. Former college baseball player, professional instructor, was the owner of Between the Lines LLC, also a tournament director at Hoosier Classic Baseball Tournaments, worldwide speaker, national leader worldwide leader of international mission trips, an amazing guy from my hometown of Fort Wayne, Indiana, super excited about spending time with Caleb. Caleb, welcome to the Dugout CEO Podcast. Hey, we're excited to be here, Casey. Appreciate you having us on. Yeah, likewise. It's been a couple of years since we connected in person and good to connect again. You know, I believe, shoot, we met in Fort Wayne a few years ago and we're both in the baseball world and the business world and you have an amazing story to share. So thanks for being here.
0: Yeah, anytime we get a chance to to share our heart we're all for it. So, and yeah, it's, it's exciting to cross paths with you again. It has been a few minutes since we, <laughs> since we've done it last time. So,
1: yeah, well, good. Well, hey, let's start back at the beginning, Caleb. Baseball. Like, how'd you become a fan, a player? Kind of tell us about your journey growing up. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously a long story. I'll keep it short for this purpose. But you know, growing
0: up as a kid, I was a baseball, basketball kid, football kid. Um, always had a passion, especially on baseball and basketball. But um, yeah, I was blessed. I grew up here in Fort Wayne, Indiana, so went to Homestead High School and then played college baseball at Valparaiso University. Um, but I was fortunate. Actually, my, my dad at a young age was very involved in the baseball community here locally with Little League and some travel leagues. And so part of my start case, which was kind of interesting, was from an entrepreneurial start around baseball where I was actually helping run baseball tournaments um, a little bit when I was in high school and then actually in college when I was playing Division One baseball. Part of my internship that we created was actually running a small business with event planning around baseball uh, with tournaments. So at a young age, I kind of got exposed to the entrepreneur side of baseball. And then when I graduated, like most students try to figure out what I want to do with my life and um, the passion of baseball kind of resonated. So I've been very blessed to make most of my career within youth development around the game. But like I said, I've always I've always loved playing the game of baseball. Now I love using the game of baseball as a platform to impact young people, and I know there's a lot of dynamics that go with that story, but that's
1: the the nutshell, shaved way down. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I love it.
1: And growing up as a kid, who was your team? Who was your favorite players? All that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, I
0: was was a Cubs fan. You know, here in Fort Wayne, Indiana, you got Tigers, Cubs, Reds, White Sox, but um, the Cubs were always my my favorite team growing up. And um, yeah,
1: so. and favorite player if you look at the cubbies because you know i'm a cubby guy too so favorite player you liked yeah it's funny jerome walton
0: i was growing up in that era when he was rookie of the year so he was a big guy obviously sandberg and dawson those kind of those those players resonate with me now when i was younger i was a cubs fan but i kind of gravitated my favorite player Ken griffey jr though like that was the guy that you know i followed and just obviously he was just a fun athlete to watch develop and the father-son combo um he just seemed to do everything the right way play hard those kind of things so so as i kind of got into my teenage years, Ken Griffey Jr., he was he was the man for me. So that was the guy I followed a lot.
1: Yeah. What was it about him, you think? Because I think he's a lot of people's favorite player. Like, they know him. He's his own, like, brand. He has his own, like, yeah. feel when you think about his name. What do you think it was about him as a player or even his brand that just made him appealing?
0: You know, when we were younger, I think it was just his flair and his style. You know, it looked like he just made the game fun, right? And there's some players today that kind of I think uh, resemble that as well. But yeah, it was just, it was incredible his swing. The left-handed swing was beautiful. The, you know, the diving catches in the outfield. So like every kid, like just dreamed of being King Griffey Jr. One day. So that yeah, was fun to watch.
1: I th- well, I think that's key because so many baseball people turn into business people, but they play baseball because it's fun and they get into business and almost like the fun gets out of business. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Like business really is a game, just like baseball. And if you can figure out a way to make it fun, that's even better. When with what you're doing now, uh, with all the different things you got going on, how do you how do you keep it fun? How do you keep it run it treat it like a game rather than a business? Because businesses sometimes become a grind. How do you I don't know? How do you make it fun to do do what you do every day?
0: Yeah, I think you hit on a key point. I mean, baseball teams. I mean, sports in general, but in particular baseball. There's so much. Um, of what you learn within the game that's transferable everyday life. We hear that all the time, you know, the perseverance, the discipline, especially baseball being a a game of failure. You know, you learn how to deal with that adversity and then you can use that in the business world. But I think that competitive desire for an athlete is absolutely transferable, right? When you get to the business world competitive, not just to see how much money you can make. I mean, I know some people get hung up on that, but you want to be able to create something that's that's successful, right? And you have the drive, the perseverance. So want to be able to figure out how do I make whatever I'm doing successful and, I think that grit determination from the sports realm, you know, like in particular baseball, all the failure, I feel like base playing baseball, feels like, that was harder than running a business in terms of dealing with all the, you know, the, the failure within the game and within a team con- construct of, of, you know, letting your teammates down, at least that's how you feel. But I, I've been able to, to use what I learned on the field and transfer that in, into to the business acumen as well. And so, um, and I haven't really shared, you know, what it is I do and I, I can kind of jump into that. So, you know, I, I've been, pretty blessed. I'm the CEO founder of the World Baseball Academy. That's been quite the journey. Um, We're a nonprofit here in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and we serve about 8,000 kids a year. Uh, We do the traditional baseball things of tournaments and instruction. That's great. But what's been unique with us is we do international baseball missions trips. So one of the few groups, in case I know you're aware of this, one of the few groups in the world that do international baseball missions outreach, uh, not on a huge scale, but then also locally, we have a very significant outreach for at-risk youth. We're now serving nearly 2,000 kids a year in a wide range of mentoring programs that are often free for kids um, throughout the year. And that's where kind of my passion uh, for business and be successful has kind of turned into a passion for youth development. You know, how do we figure out a way to use the game for all the reasons? And it's been a journey because we started in 2003. Um, now it's 2023, so we've been doing this for 20 years, but you know, the World Baseball Academy, we own and operate the Ash Center campus here in Fort Wayne. And so we've been, it's, it's been neat to be able to, to take an old campus, renovate it. Now it's truly a community asset case. I know you have been up here for a little while, but the, the, the Ash Center, the World Baseball Academy, really is, is starting to get valued in our community as a true community asset, um, not just because of the quality facilities, but because of the impact we're having on kids, you know, day in, day out, trying to really use the game for all the right reasons. And um, we, we see a lot of the adversity within the game of, you know, auto act perspectives and all those things, especially at the youth level. And we're, we're trying to bring perspective back to parents on, on what really matters about the hearts of our kids. And so uh, we got a lot going on with World Baseball Academy these days, for sure.
1: <laughs> so starting this thing back in, you know, 2003 from now, like when you started it, what were those few first years like? Like, how did you become the success that you are? I mean, impacting the amount of people that you're impacting today. Was it always that easy or what did it look like in the early days? Yeah, know I laugh and say, if I had known to be this hard, I never would have done it. Right. But we always joke and say
0: youth and ignorance was on our side. <laughs> but um, part of my story was it goes back to, you know, even in those college days, I, I was blessed to start a business while I was in college running baseball tournaments. So it started as baseball tournaments when I graduated from college. Wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I was still running baseball tournaments, got my first job in the hotel industry, and then really by God's grace, I kind of came across this old, beat up sports campus here in Fort Wayne called Tukumwa. Um And when I say it's beat up, it had been let go. It had been a deteriorated sports facility, but I walked in there as a young entrepreneur, and right away my eyes lit up, saying, "Wow, this could be the home site, you know, for the tournament." So it started with tournaments. I'll tell you today, I'm not that passionate about tournaments. We run tournaments, but the passion has certainly developed over time. Um, but what happened with me was. Jumped in as a young entrepreneur, um, still living at home, and I, doing a one distance relationship with my wife out of Valpo. Um, and so I was living at home. I could take a risk, so, so started um, a for-profit company on the event planning side with tournaments, and we kind of grew that into instruction. And, and I was blessed because at, at that time, Casey, there weren't that many tournaments around. Today there's tournaments everywhere. But at a young age, I was fortunate that I was dealing with, you know, local pro athletes, college scouts, um, pro scouts running the tournaments. And so my network in baseball kind of grew. But when I was 26, um, actually when I was 25, I really started getting challenged from a faith perspective, Casey, on on what are you leading for, Caleb, right? I mean, you're starting to have young athletes be around you, we're starting to do instructions, starting to elevate your status on a local level, not that that's anything significant, but um, I found myself at the age of 25, 26, asking the tough questions from a faith perspective on what are you leading for? Is it just status, ego, money, pride? Um, And I started really kind of a faith journey saying, all right, God, You got my attention. What do you want me to do with my life? And um, I was blessed, Casey, I was dealing with, um, at that point, high-level international leaders within the game, major league baseball managers, pro athletes, pro scouts. Um, So the network was growing, but the question was still, what am I using it for? And in 2006, this is where my journey drastically changed. I hopped onto a high school missions trip with our church to El Salvador. But I told our lead pastor at the time, say, hey, I have this passion for baseball, too. And I had some international leaders in my life kind of telling me, get involved in the international scene. And so we went to El Salvador to do a high school admissions trip. But in a conjunction with that, I connected with the El Salvadorian Baseball Federation and did some baseball outreach when I was down there. And Casey, that trip changed my life. I mean, that was a clear, defining moment in my life where God really got a hold of my heart. And when I came back, I mean, it took, took time to develop what does this mean and look like. But I really started looking at the game, saying, okay, how can I use this for a greater impact in the lives of kids than just trying to grow a business? Um, And so I actually ended up giving up my LLC, my for-profit company. We transitioned into a nonprofit called the World Baseball Academy. And yes, we were doing tournaments and instruction, but then we started doing more international missions outreach. And so I found myself in El Salvador, and then the next year, Mexico, and then Lithuania, and then our friends over at UPI. I went with them to Cambodia. Um, and then I was in Dominican Republic, at Haiti, in Canada, and so I had a chance to kind of see different places of the world using baseball and ministry, and, and that kind of resonated with how do we bring the mission field back home, and so that's where we started working with the Boys and Girls Club and YMCA's and started to figure out how can we reach all kids using baseball as a platform to really mentor them to be difference makers in life, not just great athletes. You know that's a byproduct that it's great if we accomplish that, but really trying to use the game for for bigger purposes in the hearts of our kids, and so. That's where it's just continued to grow from 2003 till now. And now our our community is starting to see the World Baseball Academy as truly a youth development entity, not a baseball entity. And a baseball entity isn't bad, case, not at all. It's just, you know, we take pride in saying we're trying to do something greater than just the traditional baseball components. And so we've raised over $5 million from donations to renovate the campus. And now we have programming support for outreach initiatives from foundations and companies, individuals, uh, but it's been quite the journey. So I'm talking a lot, but that's all part of the story on, on how we how this came to be. It really comes back to God got, got a hold of my heart, and we've been trying to be faithful to what he's leading us to do with the time and resources he's given us.
1: Great. Now, I want to go back to what you mentioned, Cale, that hit me hard. What are you leading for? That question. You know, everybody listening to this podcast is a leader in some realm, whether they're leading at home, they're leading at work, they're a coach. Do you think a lot of people ask that question, like why they do what they do?
0: Yeah, I, I probably not as much as we should. And we should continually ask ourselves that question, right? I and mean, we should be asking ourselves that question today, right? Because we can drift from, from that purpose. But for me, what happened was I'm giving talk to these elementary, middle school, high school kids at a young age. I mean, case I'm like 25, 26, just out of college. And what I realized is they're hanging on every word I have to say, like even the parents, because of the experience in the baseball world. And so that was the moment where I'm like, whoa, my influence matters, like they're listening to everything I have to say. And that's where um, hopefully God got to hold my heart and kind of humble me to ask that question, saying, all right, these, these kids are paying attention, parents are paying attention. All right, Caleb, what are you leading for? It's got to be more than just for you. Um, and then, then international missions trips changed my perspective from a global, global view. And then getting involved in our local church and having mentors, strong uh, mentors that were men and women around me, really pushing me, encouraging me, kind of helped mold and shape the direction of the world baseball academy and unfortunate people like steve sotir that that name wouldn't be well recognized in the baseball world but he was one of the key leaders in the international baseball federation um dr darren van tassel is in charge of the olympic games in 08 in beijing um, eric wedge and those kind of people be able to speak into my life and challenge me from a leadership perspective um really kind of helped challenge me as well as my, my lead pastor my dad and other people in my, in my life so i've been fortunate have mentors in my life challenging me as well
1: do you think a lot of people have those types of people into their lives or you think you're, I don't know, maybe different. I don't, you know, I think, think, I think I'm
0: certainly blessed to to have those people in my life, but also Casey, I think, you notice like, we have to pursue those relationships too, right? There's people who people want to invest in others, right? People that have experience and and knowledge and a passion to develop others. Like they want to pour into people, but we've also got to make the the space in the room to allow their influence to to get into our heart, to our head, and help guide us in in this journey as well.
1: I was talking to Mike Moy the other day, baseball agent, represented MVPs, All-Stars, World Series guys, and I told him he knew me in my 20s when I was either too scared to admit I didn't have it all together, or I actually thought I did. Sure. And he came into my life and asked the right questions, but you're right. You have to ask other people for help. Do you think like as guys, men, baseball guys, we almost have this facade up sometimes where it's like, Hey, we almost got to look the part, even though inside we are struggling. Is that common you see with, you know, leaders and men in general?
0: Yeah, I I mean, I think all of us battle that, too. We want to we probably want to look like we have it all together, you know, for for the status or trying to keep up whatever reputation we're looking at. Um, So, yeah, I think naturally it's hard to ask for help. But I think once you lean into that and you experience that, I think you become a much stronger leader. You know, I'm all about a real true leader is, is the humble leader right? who so can humble themselves that says, it's not all about me. Um, and don't get me wrong, we still have our selfish nature that leans into that every single day, right? We kind of lean into it. So we want it to be about me, but we have to be able to humble, humble ourselves and look at the bigger picture and say, all right, you know, God's given us certain gifts and abilities. You know, how are we using that for kingdom impact and to impact others around us? Um, and so I see it as a responsibility too, right? We have a great responsibility with what he's entrusted us with, for skills and abilities to use that for the right reasons. So is it easy? No. Uh, and that's why I think we have to seek out the, the accountability and. And the mentoring to help help us continue to, to move forward
1: with the impact that we're capable of that's great what does a humble leader actually look like you're running a business you're a head coach you're whatever role that you're in what does a humble leader actually look like in action
0: yeah and right now it's an interesting season of life because um i think i may have mentioned too, i'm also the interim lead pastor of our church right now talk about being humble there asking to lead the church and that's been a new adventure for me for the last year and so I'm trying to lead the World Baseball Academy as, lead, as well as lead the church as best I can. And I've got kiddos that are 12, 10, and 6. And so we're helping launch some things with FCA as well, um, some baseball industry. So it's a busy season of life. And so coming back to the question of Humble, you know, every day I I've ask myself, it's really not about me. How do I look at the people around me and how do I help develop them or, or make sure they have the resources needed to continue to do their job? And so this is a new level of humility of saying, man, I've really got to pay attention to the people around me and and be conscious of how they're doing Um, just because it's, it's not about me. And now I'm wearing a new hat where I have a greater weight. And so it really does help me lean into saying, be trying to be more sensitive to what others need from me. Um, And the challenge too is also time. Then how do you balance out your time with the needs around you? So I don't know if that answers that very well or not, but, that's how I'm humbled right now, is that there's others that are looking to me for wisdom and guidance, and therefore I have to humble myself and say it's not about me. What, what do you need? How do we move this together forward?
1: And what does that look like? You have multiple priorities right now. You got the church thing going on, you got you know your academy going on. It's how do you actually manage your time and make sure you're actually giving all of those people exactly what they need from you so they can be successful at what they do?
0: Yeah, it's a challenge. So that's the biggest challenge is I feel if I were to humble myself right now and say, I don't feel like I'm leading as, as well as I, I should be because the time is spread so thin. Um, but yeah, it, it is discipline. Uh, it comes back to, you, know, you, you think of the, how we started this conversation. You can take them some things from the baseball world, right? It, it's the discipline, the perseverance, the time management, um, all becomes really important on, on how do you make sure you manage your minutes well to to make sure you're, you're given as best you can. But also for me, like my kiddos are still a huge priority. So I've got to make sure that, you know, My relationship with the Lord is strong Um, and then I got to make sure that my relationship with my wife who works with me at the World Baseball Academy at the church. So we're united in that front. I got to take care of my kiddos. And then it's, you know, the World Baseball Academy, they're actually probably the church and the World Baseball Academy, those two can kind of go back and forth because I'm I'm leading both of them. Um, But priorities become important. So I've got to learn at the end of the day, I can't, there's certain times you have to just leave a task um, not complete, which is hard for us in the Western culture, right? (laughs) Because we're task oriented. Um, So, it's coming back to, to maintaining the perspective of what matters and every day um, getting done what you, you feel like you're able to, but then also making sure you, you keep the, the right things in the right order.
1: Yeah, talking about time management, I uh, I was reading about Chipper Jones's old pregame and postgame habits and routines. Yeah. and It used to be in his 20s. He used to get there an hour before the game and just go to work, go out, come back the next day, and he was good. But As he got older, he had a creep create different routines to achieve the same level of success. And he was getting to the ballpark two hours, three hours, four hours early. But every game, whether it was a one ten start or a seven ten start, he did the same thing in the same order day in and day out. And he literally made every day like the same thing because he had so many different priorities he had to do, but he knew the things he had to do in the right order. And he like mastered time. And I always look at these baseball guys, where they have the -the on-the-field pressures, the -the off-the-field pressures, business things. I I just wonder how they do it well. Is there any baseball guys that you know of, you know, players or coaches that you've seen that have really mastered the -the on-the-field stuff and off-the-field stuff?
0: Yeah, I mean, the time management is is critical, and the the mental, I mean, at the pro level, too, the mental focus. Obviously, I mean we, we know this in the baseball world. It's amazing at the the execution at the speed at which they execute the pro level and the intensity and the concentration, mastering that is, is phenomenal. So, you know, when it comes to the, to the baseball people, I don't know you make the baseball world comes to mind, but I've got other business leaders and things that, that I'm around. Cause yes, I'm in a youth industry, but I'm around a lot of CEOs and nonprofit leaders and, um, and church leaders, things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm constantly seeing that, um, you know, that, that habit, come up and say how do they master the habit of time management right and being disciplined with um you know there's a book called deep work too uh, that we recently read saying how do you make sure that you can get the right amount of time on that focus time right where you're going to dive a little bit deeper and protect that time so like for me when i'm doing sermon prep things like that i've had to really get disciplined saying hey my early am hours that's where i can maximize my time right with the mental focus later in the day you know when i'm getting more fatigued i can go into the routine task management modes, right? The things that you can do with kind of an autopilot, but I've seen others really have that rhythm of life where you're going to protect that key time where you have to do that deep work um, and and just balance that. So it's, I see it across the board. I mean, anybody who's balancing a lot of things, you have to have that consistency of of protecting your time management. Um, So I don't know if that answers that well or not, but I see it all the time. It's it's every industry, whether you're a pro athlete or um, a leader managing lots of things.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's, uh, that's really good you know confession I have an office away from my house and somehow my little two-year-old daughter she was in the yard and got out of the gate and <laughs> she comes and knocks on my window door here as I'm doing a podcast the other day and I'm like oh my god what do I do what do I do what do I do and I just kept talking when I see my wife come and get her and all of that and then I talked to Connie and uh I said hey honey I go that's really hard for me. She goes, your daughter just loves you and wants to spend time <laughs> with you. My heart broke. And I'm like, what do I do here? My heart wants to be out there with her. But I also have this amazing guest. And I like have this time. And I want to be present wherever I'm at. And my wife and I had an amazing conversation. I said, I'm, I go wherever I am, I want to be. If I'm with you, I only want to be with you. And and I'm working. I only can be at work. Because whoever I'm with, I want to give them my full attention and full focus. And then we ended up, I think, double padlocking the gate. So our two-year-old on. <laughs> Um, but that makes me feel good because it feels like a lot of people in life, they're always pulled between priorities and I want to be a good dad, but I need to run a good business and I got to run a good business because if I don't run a good business, I can't afford to put my kids through college. And I think it goes back to Caleb, that thing, what are you leading for? And that just hits me really hard.
0: Yeah. And, And, you know, it goes back to priorities as well. You know, so part of me says, let the kiddo run in there, give him a hug, show whoever you're showing what really matters, right? And the other person if. If they're not leaning into that they might have a poor perspective right because you know dad comes first but um, no I can relate to that We've had, I've had my daughter come into a zoom call and it's like hey oh hey this is life and so I think people are more accepting that nowadays too but now it, it comes back it is a challenge it, it, for all of us a, a balancing time and um, so that, that's where I think we have to keep asking that question you know, what are we leading for what is our priorities and, and that's really kind of a, a daily question and you know I, I try to I try to start my day as best I can saying you know, God, where, where do you want me to lead today? Right. Uh, you know, we often say, you know, I've been sleeping. You have not, you know, you're at work Can I join you um, in what you're doing.
1: Great. Well, Caleb, any advice you got for dugout nation here, you've obviously accomplished a lot. You've hit a whole lot of home runs here. Any, anything, any major takeaways that you'd like to leave our listeners with?
0: Well, I mean, you know, we didn't really touch on, on failures along the way too. I mean, that's one thing is, you know, we hear that cliche, failing forward, which I, I love that idea. And this is where I love the game of baseball, because you have to learn to deal with failure, right? I mean, it's just it's just very prevalent in the game, more so than other games at times. Um, and so, yeah, there's been a lot of failures along the way. And I look back and, you know, we came on campus here at our at our little piece of the world, right? In 2003, we didn't renovate until 2017. So it took 14 years of building trust in the community. Now we were impacting more and more kids every year, um, but it was that that, person, that, that perseverance, uh, but we failed along the way, right? We failed on how we're communicating, how we're doing certain things. Um, you know, there's many times we're like, ah, we're gonna go under, like, bankruptcy is around the corner, and now we're fortunate we're trying to build a multi-million dollar endowment for the next 100 years, and so, like, we, we've come through all those failures, but I, I guess my point in that is, you know, failure is healthy, right? I mean, it's okay to fail, it's okay to try things, and that's how we learn, that's how we grow, and I, I get concerned sometimes about young people nowadays that it seems like they're struggling more with failure. On it not being acceptable and so that's one thing I try to talk with our young people through the game as, as well as even in the church area is, is saying hey it's okay to fail right you know God's got this but let's make sure we're we're willing to take some risk along the way that allows us for personal growth and um, so I don't know if that helps at all or not but you know there's a lot of failure along the way to get where we're at so it wasn't some pretty pretty picture you know we kind of see that map it wasn't like from point A to point B you know we have those little circles all the way we go backwards five steps go up down left right uh, to be able to try to get where we're going um, so but it's it's been a journey but it's it's been exciting to see um, got it work that's something I can look back on and through the hardest times it's like wow he had a plan in that and and, and now you can kind of see it on the other side and, and now we're looking at saying okay well what's God's plan for the next 20 years and kind of leaning mm-hmm. into that
1: as we look forward to the future that's great well where does somebody go to learn more about what you guys are doing what else you got kind of in the works right now
0: yeah, so theworldbaseballacademy.com is our website. So, I mean, you'll see a lot of things on the traditional side that you think of tournaments, camps, clinics, things like that. But you know, as you as you dive in a little bit more, it's pretty neat to see all the outreach efforts going on and uh, the international missions as well. So that that site is is certainly a, a key resource to, to hop into. And uh, like I said other baseball people that that are out there. You know, we're a very collaborative entity, the World Baseball Academy. We've got partners locally, regionally, nationally. We partner with Calvert Cousinier Senior Foundation. Uh, not too long ago as well, we're doing international things, so we're always eager for partnerships. So if something you're hearing on this resonates with you, you know, reach out, let us know. My email, my phone number, all that stuff's on the website. Um, be happy to connect with groups and and see um, if there's not some
1: some synergy with like-minded leaders. I love it. Last question for you, putting, yeah. on the, putting you on the spot. Yep. Who won the World Series in 2015?
0: Oh boy, 2015. My my kid would know that. Was it the, I don't know, I'm guessing
1: it was the Astros, I'm throwing it out there? I have no idea, but we, yeah. we all know who won in 2016, right? We definitely well, know that, that. Yeah, that was the Cubbies, right? <laughs> the Cubbies. Um, and I'll always remember when I got married, because I got married three months afterwards. So if anybody asks me what year, when I'm 50 years from now, I'll always remember. Well, who who is your favorite Little League coach growing up? Yeah, I was going to say, that's an easy
0: parallel in there. So yeah, I mean, my dad was one for sure, because my dad coached me along the way, and you know, I look back on Rob Bowen was a friend of mine who played MLB level baseball, and his dad coached coaches. So Mr. Bowen comes to mind, and um, yeah, my my high school
1: coaches come to mind. All those kind of people. So I asked you one question. It's only like what seven years ago, yeah. and we just don't know now. Your kid knows, I'm sure. My kids, when they get to your kids, age, they <laughs> know who won the World Series. But it's like, does it really matter
0: all, all that much? Is. No, it's, it's a great leadership thing. We've done, I've done, I've done um, speaking engagements on that exact topic to say, you know who we do remember? Remember our kindergarten teacher, our first grade teacher, second grade, and go right down the list. And you can remember your, your little league coaches, your high school coaches, it's because of the investment of time, right? It's the relationship. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. Right? And that's what, the heart of what you're getting to is like those people invested time in our lives. They built a relationship with us, hopefully a good one. I mean, I know there could be some damage out there, but. Yeah, that investment of time, that relationship—that's the power of sports, too, and the power of team, teacher, a teacher or a coach. And so, those are things that matter. If we were to try to name ten world leaders, probably couldn't do that either, right? I mean, it's just world leaders that we think like, wow, they're on a global scale, but and you know, they're out of sight, out of mind very quickly because they haven't had a personal impact on us. Um, I think that's where you're getting at when you ask who won the World Series or who was the Super Bowl MVP five years ago. And at the end of the day, those things aren't as impactful as the people investing, making investments in our lives.
1: Yeah, so Dugout Nation, I want you to go out and call those little league coaches, call those high school <laughs> coaches, the teachers, and thank them. Totally and then go out and be and go out and be one of those people. Yeah. Um, nobody's gonna care what your, you know, balance sheet looks like at the end of the day. Your employees might, because you got to run a great business. You got to do things the right way. You got to be profitable, because profit does help people. But you also got to take care of your people. And uh, this is really good. So Caleb, thank you so much for uh, being on the Dugout CEO podcast, and really appreciate your time.
0: Yeah, no, like I said, I'm, I'm humbled to be a part of it. And, you know, all the guests you're talking about, we're hoping to be a little piece of encouragement along the way. Thanks, Caleb. Appreciate it.
1: Dugout Nation, what a great time with Caleb Kimmel. He gave us some amazing things to think about and take action on that will help you become an MVP at what you do. Here are my big three takeaways that I got from Caleb. Number one, keep asking the question of yourself. What are you leading for? And why are you doing what you're doing? Is it for fame or fortune or selfish ambition, or is it about leaving a legacy, helping other people? That is really important to ask yourself the why behind the what. Number two, who won the World Series five years ago? Well, we know the Astros won in 2015 and the Cubs surely won in 2016, but I bet you can tell us who was your favorite coach growing up or your fifth grade teacher. We can often remember those people that make a big impact in our life. That's what's important, it's about relationships and investing in other people. Not always about the wins, although wins are important, but it's about impacting the next generation. Number three, developing the people around you is the key priority for any great leader. You have to give your team your time and the tools they need to succeed, In order to do that, create an open and honest environment so your team can tell you what's working, what's not working, and what they need from you to be the best at what they do. If you're able to do that and be present with your team when you're with them, you will create a bunch of all-stars. Thank you for joining us once more for another episode of The Dugout CEO. We want to get you the tips you need to become an MVP of what you do. Sign up for our Friday Focus newsletter and you'll receive a valuable tip each Friday morning to help you build the business and life you want. You can sign up by going to CaseyCavell.com or click the link in the show notes. And make sure to hit the subscribe button so you get notification on our next episode. And one way you can help us book more great guests like this is to please leave us a rating and honest review in the Apple or Spotify podcasting app.